Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837, and FSP, dedicated to food service excellence. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, on this third Sunday of Easter, we read the magnificent account in Luke's Gospel of the appearance of the risen Jesus to his disciples. As in John's Gospel, we find here a densely textured, symbolic account. And the church is asking us to look very carefully at the details of it. Because the whole of Christian life here is on display. How we relate to Jesus risen from the dead. Here's how the story opens. While they were still speaking about all this, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. Notice something we saw also in John's Gospel. The primacy of grace. The disciples are in the upper room. They're afraid. Those who got Jesus will get them. So they're cowering in fear behind locked doors. And suddenly, despite the obstacles, Jesus stands in their midst. Notice, please, they are not conjuring him. They're not inventing him. They're not even particularly looking for him. As far as I know, Jesus is dead. They've heard a few odd stories that, he, that the tomb was empty. But as far as they're concerned, their leader, their master, is dead. They're not conjuring him and finding him. Rather, he finds them. Do you remember that great scene when Jesus called Peter? He just gets in the boat. Peter didn't invite him, didn't ask him, didn't even know who he was. Jesus got in the boat. So here, they're cowering in fear behind locked doors. He comes and stands in their midst. In dealing with the things of God, we must always keep in mind the primacy of grace. Salvation happens because Christ wills it, not because we will it. We're saved because Christ comes despite us, despite our obstacles, despite our resistance. Christ comes and stands in our midst. In their panic and fright, they thought they were seeing a ghost. The first reaction of the disciples is fear. Now, understandably, they're seeing something strange, unexpected, unusual. The one they, they saw dead on the cross, now is back alive. So it's certainly something strange, surprising. But I think there's more to it than that. And the clue is this word ghost. They thought they were seeing a ghost. They have good reason to be afraid, these disciples. Jesus' intimate followers, his friends, his dearest associates. And in his moment of truth, when they came to get him, when he was arrested, 
He was brought before leaders on trumped-up charges. When they led him out to be crucified, where were these friends of his? Well, they all fled, the Gospel says. In John's Gospel, at least the Apostle John is there at the cross, but the other ones have fled. Why are they afraid? Because this has all the signs of being the oldest ghost story in the world. We abandoned him. We betrayed him. We denied him. We contributed in our own way to his death. And now he's back, undoubtedly, for vengeance. You can find stories like this from ancient times to modern times. Our sense of justice and retribution. The wronged, murdered person is now back for vengeance. That's why they're afraid. What does Jesus do? He does two things, and I think they're both very important and worth reflecting on. He shows them his wounds. Look at my hands and my feet. Jesus shows his wounds. Don't forget what you did. In our first reading today, we hear one of St. Peter's earliest homilies. You put to death the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Well, Peter could be saying, me too. I contributed to the death of the author of life. By their betrayal, by their denial, by their refusal to stand with him, they contributed to the death of the author of life. Jesus, in showing his wounds, is showing not just them, listen, but all of us, all of us who refuse to cooperate with Christ, all of us who refuse to follow him, all of us who abandon him in whatever way, he's showing to the church his wounds. One of the worst things we can do is forget about our sin. If I have no sin, I need no Savior. If I have no sin, I do not need Christ. And so the first thing Jesus does is he shows them the effects of their betrayal, the effects of their abandonment. You help to put to death the author of life. I've often said that a mark of the saint is a deep awareness of his or her own sinfulness. The saints aren't those who say, I have no sin. On the contrary, saints are those who know they are sinners. So Jesus shows to the whole church his wounds. Whenever we are tempted to say, I'm okay and you're okay. You know, deep down we're all fine. We have a few little problems around the edges. The minute we find ourselves tempted to say that, we must look hard at the crucified Jesus. We must look hard again at the wounds of Christ. If all were well with us, we would not have killed the author of life when he came. You know that wonderful scene from Dostoevsky's Brothers Karamazov, the Grand Inquisitor scene? The point of that is, if Jesus were to come back again today in the flesh, we would kill him again. Seeing his wounds reminds us of this, of our own sin and therefore our need for grace. But if that's all Jesus did, there wouldn't be anything terribly new in this story. 
You killed me, and I'm going to remind you of that. You put me to death, and now I'm just going to rub that in your face. He then does something else. He says, Shalom. Peace. I spoke of it last week. It's the great word from the mouth of the risen Jesus, and it's come up then into the Christian tradition, especially into our liturgies. When a bishop begins the Mass, he will say, Peace be with you. At the liturgy, we say just before communion, My peace I give you, my peace I leave with you. And then we offer each other this peace of Christ. Shalom, shalom. Fruitfulness at all levels of my life, that's what it means. Why is it so important here? He's reminded them of their sin. They know they contributed to his death. And yet, he does not respond with words of vengeance. He does not respond with words of retribution and violence, but responds instead with the words and in the cadences of love and compassion and nonviolence. Friends, in this, a new world opens up. From ancient times to this day, you can see it in ancient myths, you can see it in modern-day TV shows and the movies. Here's the way the story is told. Violence upsets order. Order is restored through greater violence. Ancient myths, sure. Who's the hero? The one who through greater violence restores the lost order. Up to the present day, most TV shows, most movies have that structure. Some evil person has upset the order of society or of a family or whatever, and then it's restored through retribution, through violence. That's the old story. It's the old cycle. Jesus is showing us a way out. Was order upset through the death of Jesus? Yes. The author of life came and you killed him. In fact, it's the worst outrage ever perpetrated in human history. The Son of God came and we killed him. Talk about a disruption of God's order. But how does God respond? Not as we do. God responds with love and compassion and nonviolence and thereby restores the lost order. Friends, this is exactly what all the great practitioners of nonviolence over the centuries have seen. That the risen Jesus shows a way out of the cycle of violence, the cycle of hatred, the cycle of retribution. The way out is the compassion of the risen Christ. Can you see now why it's so important that we go forth now with a proclamation of the forgiveness of sins? In all the resurrection accounts, the resurrection of Jesus is linked to the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins. Do the disciples realize they are sinners? Yes, that's why he showed his wounds. But then, when they hear the word shalom from the very lips of Jesus, they realize they are forgiven sinners. Forgiven sinners. 
Now, what are they commissioned to do? To proclaim to all the world that same truth. You're a sinner. Don't forget it. But in Christ Jesus, you are a forgiven sinner. In Christ, forgiveness of sins has been made available to you. It's like a reformed alcoholic who goes out to a crowd and says, I'm in, I was in the same position you were, and I found a way out, and I want to share it with you. It's like a, like a reformed sinner who now is speaking to fellow sinners. So the Christian evangelist goes out. I know I'm a sinner like you, but in Christ's shalom, I have found the forgiveness of sins. This is the message. This is the good news. Just one last thought. Notice in this account, it emphasizes the physical reality of the risen Jesus. He says to them this wonderfully down-to-earth question. Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of cooked fish, which he took and ate in their presence. Why does St. Luke add that little odd detail? Because he wants us to know something. This proclamation of ours is not an idle dream. It's not a lovely hope. Wouldn't it be lovely if our sins were forgiven? Wouldn't it be beautiful if we could conquer death? Well, yeah, the human race has been dreaming of those things from the beginning. What's distinctive about Christian faith? That that dream has come true. It has come true in the most vividly factual way. Jesus, risen from the dead, announcing shalom, stands before them in the flesh. Christianity is not the proclamation of a hope, not the entertainment of a wild dream. Life and forgiveness of sins are facts and they're realities. That's the essence of the good news. And peace be with you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Word on Fire is brought to you in part by Catholic Cemeteries. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago Cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.